When I talk to property investors, they often tell me using debt is a key advantage over other asset classes. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. How are you going? I'm doing really well, Owen, and I think today's episode is a fun one. Yes, it is. 10 things that are actually worth spending money on. It's well, going to be a lot. At least for you and me. At least for us. Let us know if you agree or disagree. Yeah. You can find us on Spotify or in the show notes or on any social media channel. I thought this would be an interesting topic to discuss because on the show, we talk a lot about saving money and investing and doing all sorts of things, but we don't talk about spending that often, which is something that you and I do on a daily basis. So I thought we'd reflect on what we believe is worth spending money on for ourselves as sort of a thought starter exercise for everyone listening to go, well, what do I actually value spending money on in my life? And maybe I can spend more money on those things and less on certain other things. Yeah, I like it. Because we often say on the show that uh, being good with money is probably just about knowing yourself and uh, it's about rearranging priorities. It's not always about sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It's about knowing what matters to you and spending accordingly. I remember Simran Kaur, people will know, Girls That Invest, the brand uh, Kiwi, saw her present at an event. We were at actually with Glenn, at Glenn's event, yeah. My Millennial Money event. Um, and she said, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure because if it's, uh, if it's something that you want and you've budgeted for it, you shouldn't feel guilty about spending on it. So we're going to go through a list of 10. They're not always things that you're going to get a financial return from. You might get a memory return or a preventative yeah. return, or they're going to create memories that you can think about in years to come. But they're things that we enjoy. And I think uh, Owen's going to try providing some examples. Yeah, I'll try and give some examples <laughs> uh, of how they maybe worked in my life uh, as we go through. And everyone will be different. I think 
uh, as we go through, we'll explore some of those and just get you to think about what it is that you like to spend money on uh, and make sure that those things bring you joy, as we've said numerous times on the show. Yeah, and this changes over time. I mean, the very first thing I've got on the list for me is healthy food and home-cooked meals. And 10 years ago, I probably didn't value this when I was getting home-cooked meals Mm -hmm. every day. Um, It didn't really stand out to me as something I valued. Whereas now there's a lot of value in having the time and the ingredients to cook a meal and to feel well from what you're eating. And like for me, that looks like going to the farmer's market on the weekend and maybe I spend a little bit more, but I feel more connected to what I'm eating and I feel like I'm getting fresher produce. Like I I love spending money on a loaf of bread. So $10 Mm. to some people might seem like an extraordinary amount to pay for a sourdough seeded multigrain loaf of bread but to me that's something i value so i make sure i've got money in my budget to spend money on bread yeah it's good i like that i remember growing up uh we didn't have fancy cars we didn't have any of that sort of stuff frankly probably couldn't afford it anyway but one thing my mum always did was she always got us organic fruit and veg um because she just believed it was better for our bodies particularly when we were younger and that cost a lot of money just back then as it does now And uh, for me, definitely that's something that I opt for is higher quality fruit and veg products if I get the chance. Um, And typically that's in the form of willing to try those online offerings that uh, give you organic produce and you can track where it comes from. Like the produce boxes and things like that. Yeah, that that sort of stuff. Um, But also meats and that type of thing you can get online, which I know you've explored recently with getting, you know, sourcing your meat from different places. Um, That's definitely something. Something we'd realized that we didn't have on the list um, that I might add in here. It's not necessarily healthy or home cooked, although it sometimes is because I do have half my coffees at least at home, which is coffee beans. Um, and I always pay up for them. Like here in Melbourne, we get the vacation coffee if we're nearby the office. Or if you're in Sydney, maybe that's like Paramount or I went to Rubens last week. That was pretty cool. Um, and the best coffee beans, there's heaps of them. Um, but maybe they set you back $28, $30 for like a really, really good 500 gram bag or something like that, um, which is quite an amount of money for a lot of people. Mm. But for me, it's definitely something I can fit in. Yeah. Something interesting on the food point, I realized about two years ago, I stopped using Uber Eat or any other meal delivery app Mm. because I just, it was always cold. I could never decide what I wanted. And it just wasn't an enjoyable experience for me. And in the two years that I haven't used any food delivery, sure, I've got takeaway, but I've walked or driven to pick it up. I haven't missed it at all. And so that was an area mm. where I didn't mind not spending the money there and I prefer being able to go to the market and maybe I might make a fake away meal, like get chicken schnitzel from the market and a few other things and make your own chicken burger. But that was much more valuable to me than doing something like Uber Eats and that was just something I learned through trial and error. Just more the experience. Mm. Yeah, and I think if you have kids and these types of things as well, like you have family that you care for, you want to make sure that they've got the best of everything. So in this instance, you want to get the best, healthiest food for them, particularly when they're young, um, whether it's, you know, if it's formula, like infant formula or something like that, you want to get the good stuff because you know it is so valuable. So you may have to forego something else in your budget, but that's definitely a compromise mm-hmm. that a lot of people are willing to make. Anything around like health and wellness are probably good, good things to spend money on. Yeah. And even in the last year, I've realized I don't really enjoy going out for dinner much. I'd much prefer going breakfast, lunch, or coffee, and I would prefer over most things having people over to my place and cooking. Yeah, one of the best pieces of financial advice you can get, Kate, is uh, go out for dinner, 
but not the wine. Um, if you go out and you don't have the alcohol, it will save you so much off your diet. And that, at the end of the day, that's um, that's a really, really easy way to save money, but still get the most of the experience. And as we've talked about plenty of times on the show before, um, it really is the fact that you're paying for the kind of the entertainment, mm. not the sustenance when you go out. But you can still get a lot of that entertainment without having the the, the price tag associated with it. Number two is experiences with friends and family, which seems like something everyone should be willing to pay up for. Yeah, I've definitely experimented with going to a few concerts and talks by myself, and the experience is so much better when you go with someone else, like in my opinion. Uh, I love being able to share what I've just heard or watched Mm -hmm. or listened to with somebody else. So I would much prefer to get a really good experience. Mm -hmm. I will buy two tickets and just take someone whoever might be the most interested in that particular performance or talk, maybe I might time it with a Christmas or a birthday gift, but often I'll just take them with me. That's actually, it probably ties into another thing that you like to do, which is to buy gifts for people. So you get two birds, one stone. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it might not be something they really want as a gift. So I just will say, I've got a, I've got a spare ticket. Do you want to come? Yeah. So it's not necessarily um, asking them for money. I'll just shout the ticket just because it makes the experience for me a lot better. And then we've got this to talk about over the years to come. What would be an example of something that you've spent money on before like that? Well, I went to, like I've been to different plays or to the ballet or to musicals and just taken people with me, Mm -hmm. especially even things at comedy festival. Often the tickets are really $20 or something like that. And so you can easily just check out with two. Much smaller purchase price. And it's usually, it takes a while often to find someone with the right date and the right time. So I'll just buy two tickets and then find the second person after the fact, mm. which seems to be working quite well. Okay. I like it. Yeah. It's um, it's one of those things like where it probably does cost you a fair bit of money to go and do types of things with friends and family. Over Christmas, for example, um, we went and got an Airbnb. It wasn't the cheapest thing. I remember we all sat around the table, um, my mum and her partner and my partner and I, we sat around the table and- um, we realized that, you know, it's going to cost us a lot because we're booking late, like only two months out of Christmas. We're going to go over away, away over New Year's. It was going to cost a bit and it did feel quite painful, but we went. Well, they went because I got COVID in the end, <laughs> um, which wasn't great form. But, so um, you still had to fork out for it? Still and- paid for yep. it. Yeah, oh, yeah of course. Um, but that's where you spend more. And um, normally, even if you spend a bit more, it's worth, worth the money that's spent, I'd yeah. say. So that's number two. Um, number three could be something like education. Yeah, so anything, whether it's a course, a workshop, uh, listening to someone talk on a particular topic, it doesn't necessarily have to be related to my career. But for me, I get a lot of value spending money on this and just lifelong learning, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing I wanted to bring up with this point is a lot of people don't realize this, but when you spend money on education, like some people get hung up on hex still. I still think even though you have to pay it back, it's easily the best thing. Like last year, the year before, people were in the media or listened to radio shows on like Triple J and all that saying and complaining how much their hex debt's going up and all that stuff. Yeah, that was last year, the yeah, indexation Which is like, in my opinion, it's almost madness. You get all of that wisdom and knowledge for basically free until you earn enough in the country that supported you to get that education. Like, I think that's a wonderful thing. And even if it does come with a high hex bill, um, it, you only pay it back because you're earning more. Um, and I think that's a wonderful thing to spend money on. And I think everyone should feel like they 
can go and learn the thing they want to learn, particularly much needed things for the society's perspective. But one of the reasons why it makes sense to spend on education, at least through HEX and that type of thing, is because you will earn faster than the inflation rate will be. So you will earn more. Like say, for example, you go and do an an MBA today. It costs $50,000. I don't know what it costs, but let's say it's 50 grand today. You're still benefiting from that MBA in 5, 10, 20 years from today. So your income associated that has grown significantly more than the original $50,000. And I think if you take that long-term perspective to what you're learning and you're studying, that's a wonderful thing. That's at the extreme end. And then obviously, as you say, you know, you've got shorter courses and activities as mm. well that you can do, like group sessions where you might network with people and meet someone and so yeah. many other great advantages. A lot of us have continuing education places near us. So the cost, the outline might only be a few hundred dollars, but you get to learn in person about mm. maybe you want to learn how to code or you want to write a book or you want to learn to play the guitar. You get to learn with someone in person. I think there's a lot of value in that, even though we can learn basically everything for free online. There's a lot of value in face-to-face and building connections with people around you. Yeah, and as this world becomes more, you know, technology-enabled, it probably makes more sense to learn and be amongst people and to focus on those softer skills Mm. while you're at it. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. I think a lot of people don't realise that until they choose to study for the knowledge, not choose to study for the job. I think once you get to that point and you're choosing to study something because you're genuinely curious, you don't see it as a cost to go to the... Like yeah. to, to study at the uni or to at the TAFE or whatever. It actually feels like a great experience. Yeah, like I'll pay more to do something in person. If there's an online or an in-person mm, option, I, I want to go to the activity now. Yeah, I like that. That's good. So this is an interesting one, and I think we can all relate to this, is buying high-quality items, spending extra on these things. You've got a couple of examples here. I've got a couple as well. But it definitely makes sense in some parts of your life. You know, people always have those theories you should spend more on shoes because you spend so long in them. Spend more on your mattress because you lie down for eight to 10 hours a night, hopefully. All of these things, you know, what do you think? Yeah, for me, that was buying really good quality runners because I didn't want to get an injury. So I got well-fitting runners. Mm. I got Not that there's many options for me and my big feet, but <laughs> <laughs> I did get good quality runners and I replace them on a yearly basis because I have been giving them quite a use, which yeah. has been good. Yeah, I like that. It's really good to get high quality runners like Asics, Kayanos. That's what yeah. I've got for running. But um, it's always good when the puppy gets them too. You need to keep them out of reach. Don't let the puppy near the ASICs. Um, That would be the key uh, takeaway from this episode. But seriously, there are some things in your life you do want to spend up on, right? Mm. Um, I think if you asked any parent if they were to pick a car for their children, it would probably want a more modern car. I often have this debate uh, at home. Uh, where you're like, well, if you get a, you know, if you're gonna have a new kid, you want to get like a new car, like a little SUV or something to, you know, a bit higher up. It's a bit more protective. I'm like, well, ten years ago, people were driving their kids around in a Mitsubishi Lancer, and they thought that was the newest technology. I have no idea what you're talking about. And like. they're all fine. <laughs> but my point is, like, some things people do want to spend up on, even if it seems irrational, and that's completely fine. And like partic- my umbrella. Like your umbrella, yes. and particularly if it's for family or for like some sort of safety thing. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Private healthcare is a great one. We have free healthcare in Australia, but you pay more for those types of things where there is a material impact to your life. Yeah, and I think as you get older and you have a bit more disposable income, you do think, well, I want to get the thing that's going to last a longer period of time rather than getting the cheaper thing that's going to break on a very regular basis. Yeah, and you reminded me of something actually with um, our business, uh, which is we spend up at Rask, we spend basically a lot of money, um, too much, but uh, we also spend up 
more on software and these types of things. Uh, that's something that I've noticed with a lot of business owners actually more recently working with them is um, a lot of them do skimp out on like the cheapest software or the cheapest technology or the cheapest tools. Um, and that's okay if you just need to get off the ground, you need a bootstrap and whatever. But once you get to a certain point, you need to have that growth mindset kick in where you're like, you know what, I've got the money now. It's going to be painful, but I'm going to buy that better technology, that better tool for the trade. Um, and we do that with our email marketing software. We used to use MailChimp and it was a lot cheaper. I remember it, I think it cost us about an extra $2,000 a month to move to Drip, which is where we are now, um, which turns out only us and Queenie use nowadays. But um, that's a joke. I don't know how, who, who else uses it, but it was a good choice in the end and um, I'm glad we did it. The next one is a short getaway cap. Yes. Something that I have come to appreciate more in the last year is actually scheduling in advance. So maybe in January, February, when you've got a bit of time to think and plan the year out, going, well, where can I put some three or four day weekends throughout my year? Maybe they're aligned with public holidays. Maybe you've just requested a few extra annual leave days randomly throughout the year, but maybe go on Airbnb or booking.com and book a few nights or organize to stay at a friend's place if they live somewhere else. But just having these short little longer weekends spattered throughout the year mm. gives you something to look forward to. It's not a huge holiday. It doesn't have to be expensive, but it's a good energy booster. And just having a bit more of a getting away from home and all your normal chores that you do on the weekend and doing something different does give you a chance to refresh throughout the year. So I think that's something I value spending money on now that I probably wouldn't have thought about two or three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. And particularly in winter and these types of things, if you try and book in advance, you can get places pretty cheap on Airbnb uh, if you're trying to do something like that. Um, where would be a place you go in Victoria? Well, Macedon Ranges. Macedon Ranges. I like that. That is a lovely spot to go. Yeah, I like that. Uh, anywhere down on the Great Ocean Road is quite nice in Vic. Yeah. There's so many places around the country like Margaret River, and if uh, Adelaide Hills. And drive there. Uh, Blue Mountains, if you haven't been there, absolutely gorgeous. South Coast, North Coast, Sydney. Um, geez, everywhere around Brisbane, just about. Cairns, everywhere. Uh, so many beautiful places mm. in the world. Canberra, like yeah. down to any of the mountains. Yeah. And then if you just if you don't do it on a public holiday weekend, it's probably going to be cheaper. And uh, you only maybe only need to take one day of annual leave, two. Mm, I like it. So often we take our annual leave in one big chunk, but I think it's good to spread it out a tiny bit. If you're on uh, if you if you're a business owner or you have uh, like a credit card, uh, see it, make sure you're getting those points because you may be able to get some of these short getaways for free. I was chatting to a friend of a friend the other day who said that they basically haven't paid for a domestic airfare for the last 10 years because they're those, you know, as you know, the points hackers type people. Well, you see, the points work so far and then I had saved up all these points to hopefully get a <laughs> European airfare, but turned out the only time I could go was peak season when you can't use the rewards points. Well, there so, you go. Yeah. Uh, I'll just have to save them for one of my them short trips. But be flexible if you're using points. But if you've got one of these short trips, you yeah. could use it. You get better value, I find, with the yep. domestic flights and the international because they're normally partner airlines. But that's a really good way. Like, say you want to get down to Launceston or something like that, um, or you want to go explore the markets around Hobart, you know, beautiful places in the world to go, uh, and you can do that maybe with points. And that's worth spending on. Like Because the, the reality is if you get points, people, you're getting them because you're spending more throughout the year. Like if you use an Amex, you're getting screwed every time you tap the card. Even if you don't think you are, you are. Um, it makes sense if you're a business owner to use it for various reasons. We can go into detail another time. But 
yeah, that's yep. that's that's you still pay for it. <laughs> so you are spending up <laughs> international travel cap. Okay, so a little bit different from our short breaks. We're spending a bit more, but international travel is something I really value in my twenties because I've got a bit more time and flexibility and can stay at hostels and do all those kind of things. And mm-hmm. these are experiences I know that I'm going to remember for decades to come. So I'm focusing a little bit more on international travel in my twenties, so I can have all those experiences. And, uh, yeah, and I've got the energy to do things like a walking tour. You know, this is reminding me, um, I was going to say here that uh, on the international flights, it sounds quite first world, but I almost have to have premium economy seats nowadays. And the reason is because it's probably the number one thing I don't like about going international travel is the flight, like the really long flight. Um, but premium economy isn't that much of a step up from regular economy, slightly different meals, slightly different things on there. But I see so much value in that. And Ramit Sadie, he has this, I can't remember what he calls them, like the automatic rules. Um, the automatic rules are where- Always by the book was one of yeah, them. If there's a choice, you automatically have already made the decision on that thing because it's important to you in your life. And here's an automatic rule for travel. Anything over four hours must be business class. Now, I'm- not him and not at that level. <laughs> You're not quite business class to <laughs> yeah, Europe I'm not yet. business class to Europe. But uh, the reality is like that is um, something that I really, really value is having that form of luxury. I know it's kind of gimmicky. You're on the same flight, same carbon credits, all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, it's something that I would spend up on. Can you use your points to upgrade? Yeah, you can. So with our points, our Virgin points, we can fly with a few airlines to Europe. And when we go this year, they automatically upgraded us to premium economy. Um, so because there was no reward seats on the lesser flights. A key, key insight if you're using points to book international flights is book way in advance because there's only a set number of seats that are available per route, per destination, whatever every you know month or two so get your bookings in early and you'll find that you can go like premium economy in this case but it might be like the base one premium business there will only be as you go up that list there are fewer and fewer available so get in early and you can actually get a good deal like i think you can book at last check the other day about nine eight or nine months ahead you can go to new zealand on points for about 90 bucks pretty good yeah. And I think that even just talking about international travel now, that's something that might change on our lists in a decade's time. International travel might be less a priority. Yeah, and- with kids, it's harder, right? Mm, yeah, so- absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, it's worth constantly thinking about, well, what's actually valuable and worthwhile to yeah, spend yeah. money on? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people might say that, like, these are not really things. Probably some parents with, like, two kids under five, they're probably saying, uh, peace and quiet, I'd pay more for that. Or, like, <laughs> Uh, daycare, you know, or whatever these things may be. Uh, but for times in your life, these things make sense. Preventative healthcare is one of those things, Kate. Yes. So this is fairly important to me. I'm very proactive about you my are. health and well-being, and that's everything from making sure I'm getting regular checkups at the dentist to um, having things like private health insurance and extras cover so I go and use things like the optometrist and the physio if I need to, um, going to the physio in advance of starting running to see how can I avoid getting injured because mm. I know if I get injured, that's going to cost me quite a bit of money and time in getting myself better again. So even just making sure like vitamins and things where you're at with that, do are there any necessary, um, going to the gym, eating well, 
taking action to be preventative with your mental well-being as well. Yeah, like it. I think we spend so much time worrying about diets and worrying about how much we're saving for investing and all these types of things. How many, how many, how many of us could actually say, I have a deliberate account for preventative health or for like mental well-being? Like a lot of people just do that kind of as and when needed. But the reality is that like so much of that can be avoided as you're doing. Uh, for me, that means spent. I'm I'm totally fine to spend money on a life coach. Totally fine to spend money on a business coach. Totally fine to spend money on a psych. I don't see the psych anymore, but I used to, and it was totally fine. It's all good spending, and it costs a lot for anyone that doesn't know. Um, you can get some appointments through your GP if you get referred. Um, they'll bulk bill some of that. Um, EP. Um, I do use exercise physiologist now, not a personal trainer. Um, and I prefer that. It costs me a little bit more, but once again, for the right guidance and take it a, a proactive approach. It's interesting, over Christmas, we spoke about this on the, and this ties into the the last point, which we'll make in a moment, but we spoke about this over Christmas, that a lot of people, when they do goal setting, a lot of them simply just fall by the wayside because they don't get people with expertise on their side. Yeah. And mental health is one of those things, I think, where unless you're getting expert help, it's very, very hard. Um, to keep yourself accountable to yourself. So getting that independent voice is really important. What's next? Mm. The next thing is group exercise activities. So mm. while I do like going for a solo run or walk, there is something about going to a group exercise class or a running group that I really enjoy. And so some some of those things are free. Sometimes they cost a bit of money, but I think for me, it gives me the motivation to do that activity, having someone to keep me accountable or having paid the money in advance, I will attend that class knowing I've already sunk some money into it. Yeah, I like it. Um, do you pay for a gym membership? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you go to this as well? Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's good. It's good. Um, I think like I've noticed this as well. There's actually more of a way to save money on an EP. They do EP classes that like you can do mm. reformer Pilates and that sort of stuff. You can also do things like that with EPs and yeah. whatever. They actually make more sense, like they're more cost effective and you can meaning you can go more um, and still use the equipment, still get the expert. You might only be one of five people in the class, so you might not get their full attention, but they still know what your program is and you can mm. save money that way. I quite good, like the one-off classes. Yeah. Because um, a lot of centers, you can sign up to, like even with Reformer Pilates, it's often hundreds of dollars a month to sign up for your unlimited subscription, but you can just do a one-off class for 20 to $30. So mm. I usually don't like doing the same thing all the time. So whether it would be Zumba or Reformer Pilates or boxing or something like that, I'll just do one-off classes. And if I like it, maybe I'll do it again the next fortnight, but I like to switch it up. So I avoid mm. getting stuck into a contract. Well, that's that's a good I think that's a good way to do it. Similar to the way I do it. It's like once a fortnight, you do it in one of those group settings. And then the other three times you're going to work out, like if you work out twice a week, you just do it in the gym, right? You just do it yourself or you go and go for a run or do whatever you want. Um, so you still get the benefit of having the expert mm. um, in the back of your mind, even when they're not there. The next one is one that's close to our heart. Uh, there's only one author that uh, attends this podcast every week, and that is Kate Campbell who is also willing to spend on other people's books. Yes, I love spending money on books. And I am a big believer that you should have more books in your house than you can read at any given time. Mm. Uh, not everyone in my family believes in that philosophy. And some say I have too many books and why, I've why, gone why, overboard. Why, why do you believe that? Why do you think you should have so many books and you can't read? I think it's important to know there's always more to learn and to discover and 
to see out there. And I think having more books than I could possibly read in a year in my house just reminds me there's always more to learn, more viewpoints to experience and more creative worlds to to enter into. So that's that's what I like. Someone at our roadshow last year told me I needed a thousand books to say I have a library. So I'm not quite there yet, but <laughs> we'll see. How many, where do you reckon you're at? 50% of the way there? Oh, I've got four full bookshelves, Ikea Billy bookshelves. So what does oh, wow. that mean? I don't know. That's a lot. That's what that means. Uh, it's a lot more than me. Yeah. Um, but I also love that's, giving that's a, books that's really to people. Nice. Yeah, you like do. I, when people come over, I love being able to share a book. My sister actually got me, I don't know how to explain it, but it's a stamp that's been engraved that you can stamp the front page of the book to say oh, from the yeah. library of me, basically, from the library with of my Kate. name. Yeah, so it's been personalised and it's got a picture of a cup of tea and some books under it. Cool. So, embosser. I like it. Embosser? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, cool. I so like that's it. kind of a cool little thing to put your name on the book before you give it out. <laughs> I love spending guilt-free on books. And you're right, like I definitely have more in there than I can read or have read. And uh, that's perfectly fine. They make great gifts. There's yeah. something about giving a book to someone that's very different to sending them a link to a podcast on Apple or Spotify or audio book on Audible. Yeah. Yeah, it's very different. But send the podcast to them. Give them <laughs> this one in particular. This one. <laughs> podcast in particular. What am I saying? Okay, finally. Yeah. But that's like the Ramit's rule. For me, it's if I want the book, I'll buy the book because- yeah. You can learn so much even just from from flicking through a few pages of one book. You don't know what you'll pick up and um, often it gives me ideas for podcasts and for research and for university. So I do. I think we- I never say no. We've talked a lot about this throughout this episode, but I think, and we might have mentioned it before, but Shane Parrish, who recently appeared on the Rust podcast, he, um, he had an interview with Tim Ferriss not too long ago and they talked about automatic rules. If you haven't already sat down, and one of the things we tried to get you to do from that was to have an automatic rule. If you haven't already got these automatic rules in your life, typically the rules where you might have blind spots or weaknesses, like if you don't like confrontation, maybe you have automatic rules for saying no. Yeah, or you don't have caffeine after a certain time in the afternoon. Automatic rules, right? Like a lot of people have those um, that are really successful people because they don't waste time focusing on their weaknesses and having to make a decision every day. So they just have an automatic rule. Mm. The one I heard the other day was if you wouldn't say yes to a meeting or an activity tomorrow, you shouldn't say yes to it in three months' time. Because a lot of us, if we if something's out in the future, we'll say yes to all these commitments and overcommit ourselves to a hundred projects point. and talks and things like that. But um, you wouldn't if you didn't want to do it tomorrow, then you shouldn't say yes in three months' time. So good, so good. It's like as you get more successful in whatever it is you do, you have to get better at saying no, and that's. Like for anyone out there that as you go in your career, you have to get better at saying no because eventually your skill set will become recognizing what is a yes um, and making fewer of those yes calls. Yeah. It says this Derek Sivers quote, it's hell yes or no, basically. And if it's not a hell yes, then it has to be a no. Love that. I think that's a bit different at the start of your career because often you have to take a lot of opportunities that come your way and you maybe have to try a lot of different things. But as you get more niche and go further in your career and develop your expertise, then you do need to start saying no to things so you can really focus and saying yes to a few important things. To be honest, if we go with hell yes, if someone asks me for a coffee and it's at a good cafe, I am a hell yes. Yeah. yeah then you I, it's not good for the budget. I'm telling you right now, buying a 6 or $7 coffee is not good for the budget, but it's a hell yes. It is something that I'm willing to spend money on. Yeah. So maybe as you're thinking of what you value spending money on, 
when it comes to wants, often we do have to spend money on electricity and gas and hot water and all mm. those kind of things. But when it comes to things that are more discretionary, like whether you buy the book, if you're kind of ambivalent towards books, well, maybe you could get a free audiobook on Spotify or borrow it from the library. But if you really, hell yeah, to the book, then buy it. Well, so I only buy the best books like that I can think of. Like I don't just go and buy books. Like Whenever I look at those bargain bins at the uh, bookshops and that, I have a brief look, but I'm like, unless it's a book that I've come here to get, mm-hmm. like I really want this book, I'm not going to commit extra money to something like that, to be honest, on just a whim. Yeah. So it's got to be a book that I really love. Yeah, or I've been recommended or something like that. Yeah. Finally, we've kind of touched on this already, but number 10 is expert advice. Um, a lot of people are afraid to spend up on things, uh, say for in our instance, financial planning, or say if it's like investing of some description, people are really allergic to fees, so they just don't go near them. But expert advice can pay for itself many times over. And I've seen that firsthand with financial planning, particularly around retirement, people stuffing it up. Um, Getting expert advice will help. Um, There are so many other instances. But what about for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, the big example I use that has saved me so much time and massive headaches is getting a good accountant to help me with my tax returns each year. And I've been doing that for probably five years now. And it just makes my life a lot easier now that I have investments and different things going on because it's someone who is an expert in their field, like many experts, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and just knows their stuff and can do it very quickly and efficiently. And I don't have to pour over trying to figure out, am I doing the right thing? Because that's the thing. You don't want to make mistakes with some of these big areas of your life. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, a, it's got to a point where some people, some industries have become so um, fragmented that there's like an expert for each individual thing these days. Like anyone that's done a bathroom renovation will know what I'm talking about. There's like, oh no, I don't put the tiles on. I just carry them in, you know, that kind of thing. And then you need someone to put them on. I know you need someone to clean them. Like these are just extreme examples, but that's the idea. It's like, the, but it's about knowing when you can find a good expert like that, someone like a doctor um, someone that focuses on some type of thing that you need, it's worth paying up for the best of those people. Yeah. Uh, I found that time and time again, uh, a good dietitian, a good um, healthcare practitioner, whatever the case may be, pay up for it and get them again because uh, they pay off in the long run. And that's what I realized about investing. If we, This is the Australian Finance Podcast after all. Um, in investing, a lot of new investors, they're like – hold my beer, I got this kind of thing when they look at their brokerage account and they just like, it's very, very hard in the early days. I I remember the best advice that I ever got was just stick with something that's really boring and copy what other successful people have done. Um, Because if you've got to figure out all those mistakes yourself, it's going to be, you're going to miss your whole life of compounding and you're going to miss too many opportunities you'll never be able to make up again. Yeah. And that's where expert advice would have come in. And even some things that you could do yourself, you actually get a happiness boost from outsourcing it if you don't enjoy the task that much. So sometimes that's a good way to boost your happiness because you don't have to do that task and also you buy a bit of your time back. So while I could probably figure out my taxes myself, I'm fairly certain I could eventually get there. Mm. I don't really want to spend all of that time and risk making mistakes. So I'd rather pay for an expert and get Probably 10 hours of my life back. Well, it's like we're chatting in money and chill recently. Like, I'm more than happy to spend for cleaners and for people to do lawns and like gardening and that sort of stuff. Uh, and there's people that are out there that are so much better at that than I am. They've got all the tools there, they've got the knowledge, they can get it done. Hopefully, half the time. enjoy doing it. Yeah, absolutely. 
So that brings us through the 10K. We've got, so far, we've got healthy foods and home-cooked meals. Plus coffee. Plus coffee, of course, coffee. <laughs> and if you're looking for a good protein, plant-based, INC, plant-based protein. Very good. Had that in my notes. Are you an influencer now? Or? Yes. In the, sign up with my exclusive link in the show notes. Not kidding. Um, <laughs> but it is really good protein and it's plant-based. And it's I highly recommend it. It's the only one that I've found that tastes good. Anyway, number two, Kate. Experiences with friends and family. Big part of your overall happiness are the relationships you have with your friends and family. So spending more on experiences there. I noticed that you said someone came up to you at the road show, the Rask Road Show last year. Hopefully that was someone who brought their friend or family member or partner along under the false pretenses, of course. Um, maybe coming up again this year. Educational courses and activities is something that I am definitely willing to spend up on. I think HEX is a wonderful thing. Um, use it wisely and get enjoyment out of your study. Yeah. Spending more to get fewer high quality items. So sometimes when it comes to things like maybe runners or a jacket, yep. it makes sense to buy one better quality item and buy it less often. Power tools. While Ozito is good, I recommend uh, Ryobi. Paying a little bit more from Bunnings Warehouse and you'll get some good things. They're hedge trimmer. Mm-mm. Pick a really relatable example. <laughs> well, someone out there might have a hedge like me. Let me know. Uh, short getaways, places all over the country. Australia is a beautiful place, even your home city. When was the last time you just looked around your own city and spent a night out or went around for a drive? No destination per se, just went out and took it all in. Go and check it out. Book them in in advance too. Yes. If you get to anticipate the experience, you also get a happiness yes, boost. Yes, you will indeed. Uh, next one, Kate. International travel, if that's something you value right now, how can you add that into your life or your financial goals for the next few years? Mm -hmm. Preventative healthcare. And here we're talking about all of the things that basically aren't found in a hospital. So things like your dietitian, your optometrist, um, even remedial massage or massage in general. Go and spend on these things. Mental health, all of these things help. They do cost money. It is cash out of your pocket, but long term, your body and your mind will be better for it. Next up is group activities. Yes, that's something I enjoy spending a bit of money on, although I can do a lot of this for free. It's not that fun working out by yourself at home for me personally, so I'd rather go to a group class. Yep, and if you're in the market for books, it's okay. You can spend guilt-free and uh, grab a copy of Kate's book, Buying Happiness, In uh, put it on your bookshelf and put it on your coffee table. I noticed at Gray Space Advisory in Sydney, it's an accounting firm uh, with the guys that I work cl- closely with, I noticed they had some copies on their coffee table. So they, uh, they're everywhere, Kate. They yeah. are everywhere. <laughs> Buying happiness. Uh, that's Kate's book. Uh, get it and get it now. And finally- Expert advice, yes. whether it's an accountant or a really well-qualified financial advisor who knows how to help you in your situation, whether it's a psychologist, a hedge trimmer or a hairdresser, sometimes it makes sense to pay money and get the experts involved or just outsource the tasks that you don't really want to do. Yep. I love it. Well, Kate, we've um, we've covered a lot and we want to hear from everyone in the community. Yes. So if you are watching this or listening to this on Spotify, leave a comment in the feedback box. Uh, if you are on YouTube, you can also leave us comments. We love hearing from you or write into us anywhere else. There's a link in the podcast player that says, ask a question, use that for feedback. So your reflection question for the week, if you have listened this far, what are some areas of your life that you really value spending money on and how can you spend more on those areas? Love it. I'm just trying to think. Fishing. I already spend too much on that, but I could easily spend more and but it does bring it me But is it too happy. much if that's something you value and you've saved money in other areas? No, I don't think so. I think it, every time I feel really guilty about it, I'm like, damn, this boat costs a lot of money. Um, but then I get out there and I'm like, you know what? That's pretty awesome. 
Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Now that I can't go to the cinemas as much anymore because there's not as many movies on, I like my vision. <laughs> Kate, this has been a bit of fun. So 10 things that are worth spending money on. We want to hear from everyone else. What is worth spending money on? Thanks for, thanks for putting on this episode and thanks for your time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.